Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Sex Plus Health Podcast. I'm Fred Wyant with the American Sexual Health Association, ASHA. Today, we're going to talk about head and neck cancers, and we're going to focus on those related to the human papillomavirus, HPV. We're recording this early in June 2021, and of course, this is Men's Health Month, and that's an appropriate topic given that these HPV-related head and neck cancers, they're diagnosed much more frequently in men, interestingly. And we have a very special guest today, Mr. Bob Cups. He was recently diagnosed and underwent treatment for head and neck cancer himself. And he's going to talk with us a bit about this experience and what the patient journey has been like for him. And I'm really excited to have this conversation because I don't think I've ever done an interview with a patient on this specific topic. So Mr. Cups, welcome. And we're just really happy to have you with us today. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're living the good life in Florida. So how'd you get there and what do you do? Uh, my name is Bob Cups, and uh, I have been down here since 1974 from Indiana and uh, been in the swimming pool business all those years and had a lot of fun with that. Avid golfer, love the sunshine, uh, love the fact you can do something about every day down here. And uh, in a nutshell, that's about it. That sounds good. And you're in the right place for the swimming pool business and golfing both. So very good. Um, okay, so before I get into some specific questions, uh, I'll give a little bit of background about head and neck cancers. So these really, you're talking about a number of different types of head and neck cancers. These include cancers of the larynx and the lower throat, uh, the upper throat, nasal cavity and sinuses, and the salivary glands. And in general, risk factors are, have traditionally been things like tobacco and alcohol use. There is one type of head and neck cancer, though, oral pharyngeal cancer that's primarily caused by infection with HPV, uh, often HPV type 16 specifically. That's a high risk type of the virus we talk about in association with a number of other cancers, including those of the cervix. And we'll talk a little, more, a little bit more about HPV as we get into the conversation. Cancers of the oral pharynx involve the area of the throat just behind the oral cavity. So really the base of the tongue, the soft palate, the tonsils, and the walls of the throats are just really behind the oral cavity. Some oral cavity cancers themselves also are linked to HPV, but the association is a lot stronger with the oropharynx. And really these specific cancers very often involve the area around the tonsils. And according to the Centers for Disease Control, there are about 19,000 cases of oropharyngeal cancers in the US each year. About 70% of them are related to HPV. So, you know, this is not a trivial or just a a minor thing. It's really something we need to focus on. So that's why I'm glad Mr. Cups is spending some time with us. So, sir, let's just dive right into it. You were diagnosed with an HPV-related head and neck cancer. Tell us a little bit about your diagnosis, if you would. I mean, why did you go see the doctor and, and, and what was that process like? Uh, mine was probably a little different than most, but <clears throat> I went to see my ear, nose, and throat guy originally because I'd had a little bit of uh, a little bit of blood and things. I, I just didn't feel quite normal and basically went as a precautionary thing. And he did a scope and within five minutes, he found the tumor right side, base of the tongue. And uh, he's the one to quite, he more or less quarterbacked the whole scenario. He arranged a biopsy, which he did himself and uh, waited on that to come back and met with him again. And at that time, my daughter and son were down from, uh, Virginia and uh, Carolina. So all of us had a chance to discuss with him, which is very important because believe you me, you do need that support. Mm -hmm. um, he explained it was cancer and what he thought it was, but uh, 
at that point, when we first saw him, he didn't have the report back. The next day he did. I went and got a copy of it along with my daughter and he talked briefly to me, but it turned out to be the uh, HPV and uh, we kind of took it from there. He also arranged my scheduling with my radiologist and the oncologist, the uh, chemo oncologist. Uh, guy did a heck of a job putting it all together, really. He was kind of the quarterback. But from there, uh, I made appointments with both of them and they kind of talked back and forth. Two aggressive young doctors, wonderful guys, and they coincided their treatments. It was seven weeks of chemo and radiation. Uh, chemo was once a week for seven weeks on a Monday and the radiation was every day, five days a week. Uh, actually, it all went rather well. I had no problem really with the chemo, which is contrary to what a lot of folks experience. A lot of folks do have issues with that. I didn't. The radiation is a bit of another story. Uh, after about the fourth week, you begin to feel like you kind of wish you weren't there, but you know you have to be. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a, it's tough. Uh, and in the interim, I had a port put in for the chemo. Uh, had a feeding tube in to try to maintain some weight through the whole process. Uh, quite honestly, it's rather involved. It seems rather simple looking back at it, but truthfully, it wasn't. It was, a, it was an ordeal. Uh, and I'm still having a little bit of trouble with my sal sal uh, saliva, uh, not quite where it needs to be. The taste buds have regenerated fairly well, but uh, I lost about 25 pounds fighting to get that back. But... Uh, the most important thing of the whole thing is I think <clears throat> I had some real good friends in the area that dropped by, brought some food, my daughter, my son, just a, a support basis there, a support group, if you will, which was very important. Um, the diagnosis was kind of hopscotch with the three different doctors involved. The radiologist talked to me more about the uh, sexual aspect of it than anybody else. But he was not specific because I don't think you can be. I don't think there's a way of knowing mm -hmm. what happened and when it happened. Uh, I've been married three times to the last lady that I just lost six years ago. We were married 25 years. So as a young man, I was here, there, and yon, like most young guys. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I have no idea where it came about or when it came about. I just know it was diagnosed as that. And I have, no right. reason, you know, I have no reason to believe it wasn't. So I'm sure that's what caused it. Yeah, and that's the thing with HPV, uh, figuring out the, the, the who, what, and when aspects of it are, yeah, are really difficult. You've raised so many uh, uh, great points there. I was just scratching some notes. Let me go over a few things here with you. Um, okay, so you had chemo and radiation. You tolerated the chemo pretty well, but the radiation was kind of tough. Just curious, did, the, did your medical team offer you any anything to help you cope with the side effects, any advice or, or, or it just, what, what coping tools were you given with the radiation? Um, he was real good. He offered, uh, he offered some advice. He actually, uh, he had a couple of concoctions that he had developed uh, at medical school along with some other folks. One of them was a mouthwash that uh, it's called Swish and Swallow but it basically is a Novocaine type base thing uh, or one of those numbing devices. And you do get some open source and pretty raw stuff in there. And uh, sure. 
this stuff will go in and, and give you quite a bit of relief. So he, he was helpful that way. He also told me about a uh, solution of, uh, believe it or not, very simple, salt water and uh, baking soda. But what that does is it cuts the, uh, the phlegm, all the heavy stuff that the, the offfalls, if you will, from the radiation. So he was very good with what he did there and uh, offered advice somewhat as far as a menu. He did set me up with a nutritionist too. I will say that. I forgot to mention that. And she was helpful with setting me up with the feeding tube program and helping me a little bit with a diet. So all in all, they were pretty helpful. Okay, and you touched on um, uh, you touched on HPV and the sexual aspect of that. So this is a great time, I think, to just sit with that for a minute because this is this is really important. It's not not always easy for people to talk about. So the human papillomavirus HPV, there are golly probably 140 different types of HPV I think that have been diagnosed and diagrammed at, at, at this point there's a lot of them out there uh, a few of them are linked primarily to sexual transmission uh, we think of those a lot of times with um, with the anal genital areas and we talk about HPV in my organization a lot I think as I mentioned earlier maybe in in the context of cervical cancer and anal cancer and th things like that uh, but they are obviously linked with head and neck cancers too and uh you know, it, it, it's uh, our medical advisors talk about HPV. They call it the common cold of sex because virtually everybody who has sex at some point has HPV. The, the, these most commonly quoted statistics are like 75 to 80% of us at some point have HPV, uh, maybe even more than one case over the course of our lifetime. And our advisors tend to think those numbers might be a little conservative, if anything, and may actually be more than that. So this is something that's almost universal. Uh, but it's kind of hard to talk about. And there's a lot we don't understand still about how HPV works. Obviously, the sexual transmission, you're talking skin-to-skin -skin contact here. Oral sex is pretty well identified, I think, as a potential route of transmission. There are probably some other ways it can be introduced orally as well, but those aren't understood as well, quite as well. Uh, and so then you get that whole conversation. So you mentioned that they they touched on that, sir, with you, but they really weren't terribly specific. And like you said, it may have been kind of hard to be specific. I'm just curious, um, what did they tell you about HPV? And did they really discuss the ways that it's transmitted or were you just kind of, you know, left on your own to figure that out? You know, kind of left on my own in all honesty. Uh, <clears throat> my daughter is a uh, pharmacy rep for one of the big pharmacy companies in the country. And uh, very well read, very well educated. And she took that pathology report and busted it up into about a million segments and did a lot of Google work, a lot of internet work. And uh, she probably did more informing of me as to what possibly could have caused it uh, than the doctor himself. And that could well have been lack of time on his behalf because he's a very busy man. Uh, I understand that. Uh, he became a very good friend. He's a wonderful guy, but uh, he was not very explicit. He said, basically, uh, it's an epidemic in the country right now. He said, that waiting room you see out there, he says, 75% of those fellows that you're sitting with you out there have the very same thing or something very close to it. Uh, so he didn't spend a lot of time with the exact uh, causes, uh, whether he didn't have the knowledge to do so or just didn't take the time, I'm not sure. But uh, my daughter was pretty good at doing a little detective work and came up some, with some theories, but we don't know. I mean, I'm not sure anybody does. I've done a lot of talking, a lot of listening, and a lot of reading about it since then. And uh, I certainly don't have an answer other than I know that uh, 
<laughs> I know that these parents out there, grandparents, parents, caregivers, whoever, with 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old need to get them vaccinated like yesterday. I do know that. Yeah, and that's, that's a nice segue to something else I wanted to talk with you about. Uh, I know when you and I had our first conversation, when, when we uh, uh, were just doing our meet and greet, you, it was clear that you're an advocate for the vaccine. And we've, we have an incredibly effective HPV vaccine. I mean, millions of doses given around the world. Uh, and the FDA has approved it to prevent uh, a number of cancers, including these HPV-related head and neck cancers. It, you know, it seems to me, Mr. Cup's like a no-brainer. But we still don't vaccinate as many young people as we could. Um, and again, I, I know you really advocate for this. So what would you tell parents and grandparents specifically if they're a little hesitant about getting their kids or grandkids a shot? Oh, my kid doesn't really need it. What, what would you say to them? Well, it's really just treatment. And sometimes it's not successful. I think the good Lord, I think in my case, it was at least at this point. Uh, it's not an easy thing to go through. Um, I'm pretty tough. I'm an old bulldog. I fought it. I fought real hard. I made up my mind I was going to get through it, and I did. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. Uh, but a lot of people don't have that same mentality. And if there's a way to prevent it, uh, why put somebody through that? I went through seven weeks of pretty rough time, especially the last two or three with the radiation. And if I had a child, I wouldn't want them to go through that when they could take a simple vaccine. It just seems so totally unfair to me. It's a no-brainer, as you say. I don't get it. Yeah. But, uh, it's uh, and I'm looking. I'm looking at myself as one example, but uh, the thousands of people that have this disease are wanting very similar. I'll guarantee you, they probably tell you the same story. They, they would advocate it. I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, we always say that patients are the most authentic and compelling voices we have around the vaccine uh, because you've been through it and you know, you know, you know what it's like. And there is just such a simple way to prevent so much of this, so much of this, so many of these cancers. Um, and, you know, one of the things we're in now is because of COVID, you know, a lot of people had their 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 medical visits interrupted. And so we know that there's quite a deficit, as they say, with the number of, sh uh, of these shots and the vaccines that, that have been given over the last year, 15 months or so, because people weren't going to the clinic. You know, they just, they just understandably, you know, they, they weren't going in like they did for their, some of their routine stuff. And we had a lot of missed opportunities for the vaccine. So one of the things that a lot of stakeholders in this area are really thinking about is how can we make sure that as, you know, people are getting the COVID vaccine, and we're all opening up a little bit more to make sure that people just don't forget this, you know, because we this is so important and it works so well and it works. It's safe and it's effective. And yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. So thank you for that, um, for that perspective. Um, one last thing I really wanted to ask you is um, say that if you were sitting down with somebody who is just now beginning their journey, they were just diagnosed, they're about to start the treatment process. They're bewildered, <laughs> like, like, you know, like, like so many of us would be. What advice would you offer? Maybe just one or two quick tips to somebody who's about to start their own chemo, radiation, or whatever. What do you? What would you like to tell that person? Here's what you can do to kind of better prep yourself for this. Well, strangely enough, since I was diagnosed and treated with this, I've had two friends pretty much the same thing. One here at the local country club, and another friend that I uh, developed a relationship, friendship with, that I did a pool for, um, and they both questioned me almost immediately when they were diagnosed because they knew I had been treated or was still being treated in the one instance. Uh, I just told them uh, it, it's not easy, 
but you have to make up your mind that you're going to go through it. And it is a little quicker than you really believe. Seven weeks is not a real short period of time, but it goes by rather quickly if you put your mind to it and just say that this is something that you're going to do. And you have to be optimistic about it. You have to be willing to fight it or you're going to be, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And you can't install that in some, you, you just can't instill that into some people's brain. They don't, they don't want to hear it. It's a woe is me type thing, but fortunately, neither one of these people were like that. But I know people, I'm pretty sure that similar circumstances, they would be crying, crying about it. And I and rightfully so, I suppose, in some instances, but just determination, courage. And again, going back to what I said earlier on, if you can get a, a, a support group of some sort, uh, whether it be outside or people you know or a family, whatever, uh, that's a, that is a huge, huge asset to you as far as the treatment goes. There's no question about that. It just, uh, they're doing the same thing I'm doing. They're advocating, keep your chin up, do this, do that. But I mean, that support helps. It really, truly does. I'm, I'm just curious, did, were, did you have access to any support groups if you'd wanted them, say, either through the clinic or the hospital? Did they offer you anything like that? No, sir, they didn't. They did not. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that isn't available here. I didn't personally research it, but uh, I was not basically, I wasn't offered that by either any one of those three doctors or the uh, nutritionist that I talked to out of those four professional folks. Uh, I didn't, there was not one support group mentioned, uh, or I probably would have listened or I maybe picked up the phone or might have even made a meeting early on in the process when I still sure. felt it. That's another thing too. Your immune system does go a little bit south with the chemo your your white blood cell count goes way down and you uh you become very very uh susceptible so to speak to colds you name it because your immune system right. is not there to fight it off so after about the third week into it you're pretty much confined to going to those treatments and staying home and staying away from the general public so Support group would be good, but probably would have to be done unless it was very early on, either by phone or some sort of device. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that's such a key point. So in the show notes um, on the web page where we have the link to this conversation, uh, we'll add some resources, not only about head and neck cancer, so people can just read more about that in the link to HPV, but uh, we'll find some things about support. I know a lot of hospitals will have like cancer support groups. They may be more general rather than to a specific cancer, although sometimes there probably are groups for, for specific diseases. So we'll add a few things like that. We, in, in my organization, ASH, and then also through our National Cervical Cancer Coalition program, we have some resources to help patients cope too, and they're not really just specific to cervical cancer. We did like, for example, a video on like yoga and meditation relaxation for cancer patients that if anybody's you know, going through a really hard time, a lot of stress, this can be a tool just to sort of help you kind of take a breath and maybe relax a bit. So we will definitely link to some of those. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I didn't really have a lot of questions around that piece of it. And I can just, you know, this listening to you, I can tell having the support system, I mean, you were fortunate, you had your daughter and your family, but a lot of people may not have that. Um, so we'll do what we can to help them find it. So Mr. Bob Cups, thank you, sir, for spending time with us today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I really, it sounds like you're doing pretty well. I hope you continue to recover and do well, my friend. And uh, I'd love to talk with you again, maybe do a check-in sometime if you're up for it. So thank you're you so much. You know, uh, I, would be, I would be certainly open to that. And I want to thank you and all the people in your profession that do what you do to try to help us folks with this stuff. And uh, you're, uh, you guys are a credit to society. I appreciate y'all. 
Well, we appreciate your kind words. Thank you, Mr. Cops. Thank you to everybody who listens to this episode. We appreciate you too. Uh, you're the reason that we're here. So check back often to see what we're rolling out. Follow us on social media. We're at, at, at InfoAsha and at Stop HPV Cancer. And we will see you soon.